everybody, welcome back to another new episode of the Balance Factor podcast. My name is Emily, I am your host, and on this show we talk about how to achieve balance throughout your life as you navigate all of its uncertainties while staying true to who you are throughout the process. And for today's episode, we are going to be joined by registered dietitian, best-selling author of Eat More Plants and Good for Your Gut, Desiree Nelson. Now, I am so excited about this episode because I was literally walking in Indigo a couple months ago, looking at the cookbooks, wanting to get a new book, and and I stumbled upon this book on display because it was just released called Good for Your Gut. And let me tell you, this book is so good. It is so educational, so informative, but also contains easy and delicious recipes that anybody can take on for themselves. So I thought, why not reach out to Desiree, see if she could come on the show, because I think it would be valuable for anybody, regardless if you have IBS, ulcerative colitis, or Crohn's disease, even if your digestion is still off, this book and information that Desiree provides in it is so insightful and can really help you figure out tools and tricks to help better your overall digestive health. And what I love about Desiree is that she clearly explains why it's important and simplifies the mechanisms behind your digestion to make it all make sense and for you to understand what's going on inside of your body. And her practice is focused around plant-based nutrition. Now you might be thinking, okay, I don't want to be vegan. This isn't for me. What I really valued about our conversation and through reading her book is that you don't have to be vegan or just be plant-based or vegetarian. That's not what the book is about. It's about how to integrate plants as a source of fuel and obtain their amazing nutritional properties that are extremely important in balancing out your gut and she gets right into it all throughout our conversation so I'm not going to spoil too much but before we get into it I do have to squeeze in my favorite of the week which is my five ingredient dairy-free berry ice cream. I recently just shared this on my Instagram. It is so easy and so delicious It literally contains five things. Coconut cream, maple syrup, frozen berries, vanilla extract, and a little bit of lemon zest. It is so fresh and creamy and also just inexpensive to make. It literally is not expensive. It's very cheap compared to buying dairy-free ice creams at the store. And you actually know what's going in it. So... If you are interested, make sure to check out my Instagram at Balance Factor for the recipe. And with that said, I think it's time we jump right into the episode. Go for it. Who are you? What do you do? Tell us about yourself. Okay, I, you know, just the basics. Um, my name is Desiree Nielsen. I am a registered dietitian in Vancouver, Canada. And I do all sorts of things right now. So I am the host of a podcast actually called the All Sorts Podcast, um, where we do evidence-informed wellness. 
I am the author of a few books now, uh, Eat More Plants and Good for Your Gut, which just came out a couple of months ago. Uh, until a couple of years ago, I also saw clients one-on-one, -on -one, So, and I still have our practice with other dietitians at the helm. We do complex inflammatory and digestive disease um, most often, and then we have like, you know, a little side hustle in plant-based nutrition. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Yeah, so your cookbook, it's all about your, well, your new cookbook, Good for Your Gut. Now, can you tell me a bit about the book, what it's about, where the inspiration came from, and just dive deep into the topic of gut health. Let's go for it. Yeah. So Good for Your Gut was really born out of wanting a tool to support people who couldn't necessarily access a dietitian. You know, as a dietitian, like for over a decade, we see folks in our practice who have been struggling for years. So they're like, oh, I've been feeling awful for five years, seven years, 10 years, 15 years, and they have done all of the things except see a dietitian. So, you know, my main message is always go see a really good dietitian who understands the gut stuff to help you. But I know that that's not accessible or available to everyone. And so I wanted to create a book because what I really saw in books about gut health were these really sort of flimsy wellnessy books talking, you know, about like the importance of gut health, but then really what they do is like feed you an elimination diet. Or, you know, like these kind of nerdy books that are black and white and maybe the average consumer isn't going to be drawn to them because they're like, oh, this seems a little too sciencey. So I wanted to give people something that really approximated what we do in practice. Because when we sit down with you for an hour, we're not just like telling you what to do for an hour. We are you know, helping you understand how your gut is supposed to work, what is going on with your disease process so that you understand it better. In addition to helping you choose the foods that are going to make you successful, because I think a lot of times we're really good at doling out advice, but then people actually have to take that advice home and figure out what to make for dinner. So, you know, when I started realizing that, I understood how important recipes and cookbooks were to clients. And so Good For Your Gut is 100 pages up front of everything you need to know about gut health. So whether you're just gut curious, you're like, why is gut health important? Like the book will tell you that. But also if you have some issues, whether you suffer from constipation or irritable bowel syndrome or reflux, the book goes into like what is happening in your body, what is physiologically normal, and also what is possible in terms of feeling better. And then the recipes, they are all 100% plant-based. They're all really delicious. Like if you're like, I just want some good recipes to help me be healthy, totally this book is for you. But if you have something going on with your gut, the book is divided into three specific sections. They're scattered without, but you'll see like a little label on each recipe, either protect, heal, or soothe. The Protect recipes are all high in fiber, high in plant diversity, uh, and potentially high in fermentable carbohydrates to feed the gut microbiome because that's what they're going to do is protect your gut health. Like if your gut health is like pretty good, you just want to keep it good, or you want to make it a little bit better, Protect is for you. The Heal recipes are low FODMAP. So for folks with irritable bowel syndrome who may have been told by their physician they should try the low FODMAP diet. These are low FODMAP and fully plant-based recipes. It's about a third of the book. I think about like 30, 32 recipes are low FODMAP to help you get through the low FODMAP elimination portion of that diet. 
And then there's also information in the book to help carry you through reintroductions, which is a really important phase of this therapeutic mm-hmm. diet. And then the last section is heal. So oh, soothe, sorry, we talked about heal, now it's soothe. And soothe really represented something that I didn't see a lot of people talking about because we work with a lot of people with Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, really severe IBS. Oftentimes those people come into practice eating like white bread and like drinking Red Bulls because they're like, well, I can't eat a salad, like a salad goes right through me. So they think because those foods are hard for them to digest that they can't eat plants, right? which couldn't be further from the truth. The idea is to manipulate those plant foods, whether we juice them for the most sensitive guts or blend them in terms of smoothies or dips or soups to help reintroduce these plant foods in a more easily digestible form so that they can get the benefits of the plants that allows their gut to strengthen and therefore build up their tolerance. Um, You know, because for us in practice, one of the things we love most often is getting folks who never thought that they could eat a lot of plant foods back into a more plant-focused diet because the challenge with a really inflamed and sensitive gut is that the foods that feel lightest and best and easiest in the moment, like, you know, the fiber, like the boiled chicken breasts and like white bread and all that kind of stuff, you know, cookies and candy. The brat brat diet. (laughs) Exactly. All the basics. Yeah. Those typically as a dietary pattern are the foods that will perpetuate the inflammation and the negative changes in the microbiome that will continue the symptoms long-term. So, you know, it's a bit of a like catch 22. It's like the foods that will make you feel well long-term don't feel great in the short-term. So we use a few little tricks to get people into that life. Yeah. And so why don't those foods feel good in the short-term? Like what is it that they're, they're doing that's negative to our gut? Yeah. You know, they're not doing anything that's negative to our gut. Everything that makes plant foods hard to digest. And I always sort of rankle with this language a little bit in like wellness, they're like, oh, well, that's hard to digest and that's hard to digest. And like, what makes it hard to digest is exactly what makes it so beneficial for your gut. And the way to think of it is this, you know, if you have been like a couch potato all your life and someone's like, you know what, exercise is really good for you. And you go out and attempt to run a 10K tomorrow you are gonna feel like garbage. You, it's gonna feel, your lungs will feel like they're on fire, your legs will feel like they're destroyed, and you're gonna be like, running is hard, AKA running is bad for you, I'm never gonna do it again. It's the same thing with plant foods. So the idea is that your gut is, I mean, technically your gut does also have muscle, but you really need to think philosophically of your digestive tract as a muscle. So you need to train it to handle the complex nature of plant foods, the diversity of indigestible, which means you do not fully digest and absorb it. So it stays in the gut and interacts with the gut tissue. So these are absolutely fibers, you know, insoluble, soluble fibers. But there's a lot of other carbohydrates like that in plant foods, things like fructans, which we find in beans or whole grains um, or fructose in fruit. All of these things are not fully digestible and absorbable, so they stay in the gut. And when they do, those fibers sweep the gut clear 
They help to encourage the turnover of the gut cells because the gut lining is meant to turn over like really often. Like our skin takes weeks to actually turn itself over. Our gut lining takes a couple of days, you know, for most of us. And so mm -hmm. the fiber helps sweep that gut lining, helps encourage its renewal. And most importantly, all of these indigestible to us carbohydrates are fermentable to our gut microbiome. And the more that we learn about these trillions of bacteria living in our gut, the more we realize how important it is that we have the right set and then we feed that set really well so it sticks around. Yeah, and so in terms of feeding the bacteria in your gut, why is that important in terms of your overall health? Like why, why is gut health really important? You know, we hear on a lot of people on social media, especially people that may or may not have a strong foundation or educational background in the area say, you know, this is good for my gut health. And people go around saying, I want to work on my gut health, like all this and that. But no one's truly understanding the importance of how that systemically affects the mind, affects you physically. Can you explain to us why why it's important and in an easy way for everyone to understand? Yeah. So, you know, anyone with something going wrong in their gut, like be it constipation or chronic reflux, you know, or IBS knows, like if your gut isn't doing well, you feel like garbage, like right off the top. Uh, you, yeah. want, you want your gut to function well, right? Otherwise you will literally feel like garbage. But what about the rest of us? You know, then it becomes this really abstract concept because when I say when the gut is working relatively well, like it's never on your mind, like you're not thinking about it. Like that's the sign of a gut that's doing fairly well. And so for those people, what they have to understand is that our digestive tract, I mean, digestion is super important. Like our body is literally built on the nutrients and compounds that we consume. So like our body has to break all that food down, digest it, and then absorb it into the bloodstream. For that to work is like already important enough. But there's a lot more to the gut than just digestion. So our digestive tract really lies at the intersection between digestion and immune system and nervous system. So, you know, a really great example is that the enteric nervous system, which is the nervous system of the gut, has more nerve cells in it than our spinal cord. Yeah. And so there's a huge amount of communication between what's going on in our gut and our brain. And like anyone who's like, you know, ever been stressed before an exam and like literally had to run to the washroom like two minutes before the exam, like, you know, like. Uh, that was me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like yeah. mental and emotional stress can impact what happens in the gut. Like stress is enough to initiate a flare of irritable bowel syndrome or Crohn's disease, for example, independent of diet. But the vast majority of the communication between the brain and the gut, like 90% of the communication between the brain and the gut actually starts in the gut and goes on up to the brain. And it can be just like really basic things. Like when we eat, there are stretch receptors in our stomach. So as our stomach gets full, the nervous system communicates to our brain, hey, you're getting full. Like you can start to like slow down on dinner. Um, but there's a lot of other things that happen in the gut. The nervous system in the gut also influences immune activity 
And, you know, a lot of people have probably heard, oh, like, you know, a healthy gut is really important for your immune system and been like, how the heck does that even work? And it's because to your body, and we don't think of it because we don't really see it, but like to your body from the entrance on through the exit, your gut is continuous with the outside world. So your gut is an important barrier between you and the outside world, just like your skin is. Unlike your skin though, like you have a far more delicate barrier in the gut that is meant to actually like absorb a bunch of stuff. And so because of that, like in your body's infinite wisdom, it places 70% of its immune activity along the gut barrier. So you've got like all this immune system activity, a pretty fragile gut barrier, tons of nerves, which can impact immune function. They also impact how the gut moves. Because of course, we don't have conscious control over like what happens in our gut, like from swallow on through like the final countdown. And then <laughs> to the <laughs> final countdown. Exactly. <laughs> you know, very important. Um, but then you have trillions of bacteria living in your gut, mostly in your ascending colon, which is like along the lower right side of your body, right next to an immune system that is designed to kill germs, you know, and, you know, right next to a nervous system that impacts how the gut moves. And so what we know about the gut microbiome and why that sort of revolutionized everything we think about gut health is that the type of bacteria living in our gut can influence our nutrient status, for example, like our iron status, um, by helping to create a pH in the gut that makes iron more absorbable, for example. It impacts your nervous system function. Your gut microbes can communicate with your nervous system via something called short-chain fatty acids. So when we eat all those fibers that we can't digest and absorb, gut bacteria ferment them and make, sometimes they just make gas, which no one likes, but it's a fact. <laughs> but then <laughs> like, hopefully we also have bacteria that make short chain fatty acids like butyrate, which can communicate with our nervous system and change the amount of serotonin our gut makes. Like most of us think of our serotonin as like being made in our brain because it's our feel good neurotransmitter. Yeah. 95% of the serotonin in our bodies in our gut's nervous system. So for somebody that, say, struggles from a lot of anxiety, like myself, in terms of that serotonin in, in the gut, how is it interplaying? So say you're in an anxious state, your fragile nervous system is already fired up, and you're, how does that affect the serotonin? Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, so there is so much more that we have to learn in terms of mechanisms. And that's always the big thing. We have a lot of observations right now. So it's like, if this is true, this also appears to be true. But like, how the heck that happens? There's a lot more we need to know. Yes. But from like a top sort of like high level picture, uh, we know that, like I said, whatever happens in the central nervous system, the brain and the spinal cord can in fact affect how the gut moves. We also know when there are certain activities in the nervous system, it can influence immune response, namely inflammation. So the nervous system can cause an inflammatory response in the immune system. Both of these things are not so great for how our gut operates. 
when there is more inflammation in the gut, our beneficial gut bacteria don't like it. The kind of bacteria that love it are the ones that cause more inflammation. <laughs> so of course, they, they're, they're thriving in that environment. Exactly. Why not? They're, they're loving it. They're like, you know, climate change, no problem. Give me like 50 degrees C and I'm happy. <laughs> Whereas like yeah. the beneficial ones are like, I need shade. I need an ocean breeze. <laughs> this is not great. And so what you get into, into is this like really sort of complicated spiral where hypersensitivity, overactivation of the nervous system can cause inflammation inflammation can impact the nervous system. So we know that inflammation can increase sensations of pain and hypersensitivity in the nervous system. Both of these things can make the gut a little bit erratic, whether stress is shutting down motility, because when you're in your fight or flight, like the nervous system activation that causes that fight or flight response by design shuttles blood flow away and de-emphasizes digestion. So stress can totally stop you up. Anxiety can cause, um, can cause like loose bowel movements and erratic and overactive movement in the gut. And then when the bacteria get messed up, then they get to sort of like play with all of these systems too. And usually not for the better. Yeah, it's just, and that's why it's so important that individuals, you know, it's one thing to work on the gut, which is great, but it also, to improve the gut, you have to work on the mind. So it's a whole body picture. And there's just so many factors involved. And I think a lot of people get quite confused because they're like, well, I'm doing things for my gut, but nothing's happening. And, you know, there's a, there's this other aspect is that you also have to work on the stress component. And you do talk about that a bit in your book about alleviating that stress through mindfulness and movement. Um, what are some practices you do for your, even for yourself or that you recommend to your clients on working on that other aspect because it's all interconnected? It is connected and it's one of the opportunities, but also the frustrations for people in, when they're trying to work on their gut health. Cause they're like, well, just tell me what to eat or like, tell me the three foods to never eat and thinking that it's going to fix everything and it's not. And so we do work a lot with our clients in terms of creating the right environment to help alleviate stress and work on that mind body connection. So like getting out of your head and into your body is a really important piece of this. And that can be challenging for people who have gut stuff because there is an hypervigilance, <clears throat> a nervousness and anxiety about sort of the unpredictability of their gut symptoms. And so anything that sort of like gets you out of your head and into your body, whether that is going for walks without your phone, whether it's literally just like laying outside in the sunshine and just like doing a body scan, like what is happening in my body right now? Um, meditation and breath work can be, you know, really uh, important and valuable, but it is about finding what works for you if you're like, when I sit there and try and meditate, like my anxiety feels like 10 times worse because I'm focusing on it, uh, then maybe that's not for you. Maybe it is about some like mindful movement, going for a hike or going for like a long walk kind of thing. You do have to, you know, make the time and make those things a priority. The other thing that can be really helpful for people, um, you know, particularly for IBS, like there is gut directed hypnotherapy. <laughs> 
now. So if you can see a hypnotherapy practitioner, there's also apps. It's, it seems like I've actually, I've heard of it and I've been recommended to do it. I just haven't, I haven't gotten to it, but, um, I've heard of it actually being quite, um, impactful. It, it can be impactful, you know, in one, in one study, um, it's probably about five years back now, what they found was that like a specific, like gut directed hypnotherapy was as effective in alleviating symptoms in irritable bowel syndrome as the low FODMAP diet. Okay. Yeah. So you're like, oh, okay. So this tells you right off the top. that it's not just about food, because I think that's a common misconception in gut health. They're like, okay, so just ditch gluten or just ditch dairy and like everything will be fine. I'm far more, I mean, low FODMAP diet aside, because that is an evidence-based therapeutic diet for IBS. Beyond that, I'm far more interested in what you do choose to eat, AKA as many plants, tolerated plants and as high a fiber as you tolerate to foster better gut health long-term than what you don't eat. The other thing that I will say, um, because as someone, as an IBS or myself, someone who's very anxious myself, um, you know, it is about walking the walk for me too. We need to sort of like lighten our plates a little bit, especially with our phones. I've had clients, you know, particularly younger clients, um, because we're just, we're so digital native that like, well, how often are you on your phone? Well, I'm on my phone like all day. Like my friends are texting all day. And it's like, did you realize that like every time you like pick up your phone, every minute you spend on your phone, you are sort of dysregulating your nervous system and getting off your phone, whether you're like, okay, so 8 p.m. it's put it away time or 9 p.m. it's put it away time. Like you need to have time during the day where you are not constantly stimulated and like connected and just waiting for the next ping. Yeah, and I I was even thinking to myself the other day because I was in a line in a uh, in a grocery store, and everyone waiting in line is on their phone, and I wasn't on my phone, and I was just thinking to myself, I was like, do people ever just you know take a minute and to even just look around their surroundings, and it's so just like habitual to us now just to do it constantly but it's it, it we need to change it because genuinely it's causing this non-stop chaos in our bodies and you know to work on our guts and to work on our overall well-being it's, it's a full body picture it's not just eating certain foods to make yourself feel better you have to work on all the different components so I, I love everything that you've said there and so in terms of actually what the food's you're eating. A lot of people, you know, they're like, I don't know what to eat. I want to work on my gut health. Um, this upsets my stomach, but this doesn't. Should I be gluten-free? Should I be dairy-free? And then, you know, you have the people that go to extremes and they go gluten-free, but then they're buying all these breads that are fully processed and are full of chemicals. What would you tell these people or recommend to these individuals where to start and what are some easy, simple things without getting so complicated that they can really just take on and start making the change? Yeah. So if your gut is really inflamed and you feel like you react to a lot of foods, honor that for now, because you don't want to eat things knowingly that seem to be exacerbating your symptoms. But I will say this, most often 
hyper reactions to foods are not about the actual foods themselves. It's about the state of your gut. So, you know, if you're like, no, 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 every time I eat chickpeas, it is a disaster. Okay, we're going to leave chickpeas off your plate just for now. But then what people need to do is to start slowly increasing their fiber intake and their intake of whole plant foods across the board without a shadow of the doubt, despite what like the carnivores and the autoimmune protocol people will tell you, the most evidence-based and effective thing you can do for your digestive well-being is to eat more whole plant foods and to get more fiber. So where you are on that journey uh, is depending on where you're starting out and how sensitive your gut is. So for some people, it could be as simple as eating some gluten-free oats every morning. Like this is where we're starting. We're starting to build a consistent pattern of something that is high in soluble fiber that is generally much more soothing to the gut than the, you know, quote unquote, scratchy fibers of like vegetables, for example. Um, start there with some soluble fiber. So oats are great. Chia seeds are great. Ground flax is great. Psyllium is awesome. I love psyllium. Uh, right? Grandma's magic fairy dust. Yes. No one knows about psyllium, but I love psyllium. I make my bread with it all the time. I don't use, um, what's it called? That one filler. Um, like xanthan gum? Yes. I don't use yeah. that. I use psyllium instead and it, it works better. It's, it's the best. Psyllium is amazing. And particularly for psyllium, um, psyllium is also non-fermentable. So, I mean, we want fermentable stuff for our gut microbiome, but if your gut is super inflamed, it's great because it's not going to cause a lot of gas and bloating if you're already dealing with that. So start with soluble fiber, slowly work it in, uh, you know, add one or two foods at a time, give your body time. And if your body is appreciating that, then you start like getting into more of the heavy hitters. So you start with legumes. I would start with legumes for a lot of folks um, because they are such powerful plant foods. And we do, you know, every, I talk about it in Good For Your Gut, something called the Daily Three. We do every January in my challenge. Um, it's one of the foods that I think drive the most improvements for folks and also one of the foods that we're most scared of and we don't consume. And here it is consistency, consistency, consistency. So if you don't typically eat legumes, you're not going to eat a cup of them. Your body is not strong enough to handle that. You're going to eat a quarter cup and you're going to eat it every single day. The gut loves routine. And the more that you can build these routines into your life, the more um, you'll see the gut improve without so many side effects. So you just eat a quarter cup of like chickpeas or lentils uh, or black beans every single day until you no longer notice it and then you move up to a half a cup and once that's good and then you move up to three quarters of a cup because we want smaller less active bodies need 25 grams of fiber every single day really kind of as a minimum the average person gets 14 to 16 grams not nearly enough and larger more active bodies so if you are like six feet tall and a runner you need closer to 38 or 40 grams a day like this is not what we're getting. Um, so without a doubt, like don't be swayed by all of the like shiny things on TikTok. If you want to feel better right now, get on the soluble fiber train, then start consuming legumes and then do one or two things to manage or alleviate stress and nervous system activation. Like we will spend 
so much money, like hundreds of dollars on random supplements online or like random protocols. And yet we're sleeping five hours a night. We're stressed 16 hours a day. Work on that. Like that's free. Yeah, exactly. And I have a couple questions. So in terms of protein, a lot of people are, make sure you get your protein in and you know, it's, it's an important aspect of our diet. In terms of your cookbook, it is plant-based and I'm curious to know individuals that aren't so um, quote-unquote vegan. Um, what about chicken and eggs and fish? Are those okay for your gut? Like, could you tell me a bit about that? Yeah. So, you know, I am a big believer that we all have to choose the way of eating that is right for us. Pretty much the only universal thing is like eat more plants, but like beyond that, we have to choose the way of eating that's right for us. So it would appear that um, saturated fat, diets that are high in saturated fat, and in particular heme iron, which we know comes from animal products, um, can increase inflammation and can be detrimental to gut health. Um, this is mostly red meat and dairy that we're talking yeah. about. Um, and most strongly red meat. So, you know, the intake of red meat is associated with, um, you know, colorectal cancer. It's associated with risk of the inflammatory bowel diseases. This is pretty clear. Even still, if someone likes red meat, then I'm like, okay, so this is a treat now. We have a small piece, you know, once a week or once every two weeks. If it's something that's important to you, there is never any no's in nutrition. And I think we hear a lot of no's and a lot of that is like we gobbledygook. Do. So yes, I am more worried about how many plants do you get in than whether or not you eat, you know, chicken or eggs or some yogurt. All of those things can fit in a gut in a gut healthy diet as long as you are getting those plants in. Yeah, so that's I it's good to hear that because, you know, on the internet we see don't eat this, don't eat that. How about changing the focus more around what are the good things that can help us and rejuvenate our systems to make us feel better? So in terms of plants, what what foods are the most, you know, impactful for our guts all around? Like what specific legumes or vegetables can we start to integrate into our diets if we don't know where to start? Yeah, so um, I'll start with the daily three because I really do think that's most impactful. So any legume, like literally any legume, all are amazing. So it's, every, it's whatever you like the taste of, whatever fits into the mo you know, most recipes that you typically consume. Legumes are really critical. They're gonna offer way more fiber than a lot of other plant foods, um, but then they are also really high in minerals. And so what is important if people find that they are consuming less meat, animal products offer they offer fat, they offer protein, and they offer a ton of minerals like iron and zinc. You have to replace those foods with plant-based alternatives that provide those same kinds of nutrients. And so legumes are really important. They're a huge like needle mover. The other thing, the other two things that are on the daily three, um, the first is omega-3 rich seeds. So we're talking hemp hearts, ground flax, or chia seeds. Omega-3 fatty acids are what we call an essential fatty acid. Essential means that we, our body can't make it. We have to consume it from food. These 
omega-3 fatty acids get incorporated into the linings of our cells. So they're really important for cell communication. Um, but omega-3s are really an important sort of gut brain food because we know omega-3 fatty acids are important for brain health. They get incorporated into our nervous system tissues, but also omega-3 fatty acids are beneficial and promote a healthy gut microbiome. So really important, two to three tablespoons a day, smaller bodies, two tablespoons, larger bodies, three tablespoons, um, will give you everything you need. Work it into a smoothie or oats. Uh, hemp hearts are really easy because you can put it on everything. Sprinkle them on everything. Literally everything. <laughs> I do that every day. I sprinkle them. Whatever my breakfast is, I throw hemp seeds on them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then the third are dark green leafy vegetables. So, and this is everything from like arugula and watercress to rapini, gailan, broccoli, kale, chard. Uh, aim for two cups a day if you can. These are the higher fiber vegetables. They're also, because many of them are in the brassica family, they contain certain phytochemicals that are based on sulfur molecules um, that are particularly well-researched for their antioxidant value and also fighting inflammation. So get those greens on your plate. Those are the top three that I would say. And if I were to add two more bonus, berries. Berries are much higher in fiber than a lot of other fruits and vegetables, but they also on actual like current digestion, they're not so hard on your stomach either. So they're actually like a really like gentle way to get more fiber into your diet without that sort of like hard and soluble fiber nature in a lot of other plant foods. Um, and then the final would be apples. I love people apples. Like, I know. And people are like, apple, yeah, you know, like apples are so underrated. Uh, the first, because they're really affordable. They're often, like after bananas, the least expensive fruit in the grocery store. They're also, again, much higher, like apples and pear are much higher. One of the things that we'll often see, and even with folks who are fully plant-based, I'm like, well, I'm plant-based, I get tons of fiber. And you actually look at the diet and they don't get enough fiber because there are tons of fruits and vegetables, particularly if you, you know, don't eat a lot of legumes or you don't eat a lot of whole grains because maybe you've gone gluten-free, for example, a lot of plant foods are always healthy but they're not super high in fiber. They're not getting you to those numbers that you need. Uh, and so apples typically have about four grams of fiber, which is fantastic, plus soluble fiber. And when you eat them with the skin, the skins are very much where many of the phytochemicals are concentrated. So you're going to get plenty of like antioxidant, anti-inflammatory phytochemicals too. Those are, the, those are amazing. And so in terms of incorporating around three cups of, you know, those green vegetables, I, for myself, and I know other people that when they do that, and it's also, I think it's what we're going to get into, is the way you prepare it is dependent upon your state of your gut. Am I correct? Totally. You know, okay. like if you have a super, if you have Crohn's disease and you are still going to the bathroom like 10 times a day, we're not going to give you a kale Caesar. Like that's not going to happen. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, but what we can do is crumble some kale into our Vitamix along with, you know, gentler fruits and vegetables like bananas, for example, to get that nutrition into you. The, the Vitamix is going to sort of work like a super digester, you know, because it's breaking it all down because many of us don't actually take the time to chew our food thoroughly. And when you're eating these whole plant foods, it's even more important. Like 
Classic example, a lot of people are like, raw carrots hurt my stomach. The reason most often why raw carrots hurt people's stomach is because they're very woody. They're very hard to break down. And we're like mindlessly like sort of like munching baby carrots while we like work on something. And we like chew, chew, chew three times and swallow it down. You're essentially like, like it's like bark in your stomach. And your stomach's like, okay, I guess I have to work a lot harder to try and break this down and get this to like absorption ready stage. So chew your fruits and vegetables. They should feel like a paste before you swallow. And is there a loss of nutritional value in terms of um, making smoothies? I know with juices and with that, you're losing the fiber content because there's no pulp. In terms of smoothie, are, are you losing anything or is it just is it just a different pr- mode of preparation? Totally just a different mode of preparation. Uh, you know, because everything remains in that smoothie, you're losing zero nutrients. The only thing that changes is the nature of the fibers. And our research tells us that some fibers are probably going to work better once they're broken down. And some are going to work slightly less well, like the insoluble fibers. But if we're blending them, particularly because we have a fussy gut, that's what you want to happen. You want the insoluble fibers to work a little less well, because those are the ones that can feel irritating to sensitive gut. Yeah, it makes sense. It's all just so interesting to me, and I've loved our conversation. Now, in terms of your cookbook, I'm curious to know, what is your favorite recipe from your book? Yeah, it's, you know, anytime people ask, I feel like it never gets any easier. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's so many. <laughs> there there are so many. So one that is a favorite because it has like a lot of nostalgic value to me uh, is the tofu okonomiyaki. So if you've never heard of that before, okonomiyaki is a type of like mixed pancake from Japan, um, from the Kansai region, where if you go to okonomiyaki restaurant, like you'll get like your egg mixture and then you get to choose on the menu what you want to cook and you can even cook it up in front of you which is really cool and so i made obviously a very non-traditional version where i replace eggs with chickpea flour but you still have the traditional cabbage and then there's some smoked tofu or tempeh on top it's very easy to make and really delicious um so i love that one uh another one that i really love are the peanut ginger macaroons because they seem like, oh yeah, that's like an energy ball or something. Like, eh, it'll be fine. They're so delicious. The texture is just this perfect, sweet, chewy, soft texture, and there's a ton of flavor in them. And whenever I make a batch, like they're immediately gone. So those are two of my faves. They sound delicious. And I mean, eating for your gut doesn't have to be not fun. And all of those recipes sound so flavorful but also fulfilling and just fun to eat so i'm i'm probably gonna make one of those tonight i haven't tried those ones yet but i'm i think i think that's what i'm gonna have for dinner you got me you got me hungry (laughs) all right so where can everyone find you or follow you what's your instagram's uh, social handles yeah so on instagram i am at desiree nielsen rd once you put in Desiree, it's nice having a weird name because like there's not a lot of Desiree dietitians. Um, and then I am like muddling through TikTok just because I really love it, but do not have the time. But I'm Desiree Nielsen Nutrition on TikTok too. Okay, awesome.
Thank you so much to Desiree for coming on the show. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation and I hope you guys did too and really learned something about your digestive health and how you can maximize your digestion through eating more plants. So make sure to check out her cookbooks, Eat More Plants and Good For Your Gut. You can buy them on Indigo and on Amazon. As well, make sure to stay up to date with new episodes by following me at Balance Factor on Instagram, TikTok, you name it, all the socials, it's at Balance Factor. And all of that said, I hope you have an amazing day and I'll see you next Wednesday for another new episode. Bye guys. Oh, 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 o